views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individual and not of the host. Your radio, Tony, Rodney, Darren, what it is. All had problems, now we got the solutions to handle our ease. Press and stress the problems ahead so we can work it out. Because I've grown up from boys to men, I know I'm shutting my mouth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk show. Please consider downloading our free Married Men Don't Talk app. And also feel free to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But don't email us because you will not get a response. My name is Rodney and I'll be your host along with my co-hosts, Tony and Darren. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only. Tonight's topic is... My spouse is disabled, and I have an extra special guest with us tonight, my man Charles. So what's up, Charles? Hey, how's it going, Rodney? Good, man. Welcome to the show, man. We're so honored to have you on tonight. And y'all know how we roll, fellas, so feel free to jump in anytime as me and Charles are talking. So let's get it popping. Now, I know Charles because our wives taught school together, and when my son was born, Charles and his wife were the ones who watched my two daughters while we were having the baby. So, you know, Charles is a homie of mine. So, Charles, uh, how long have you been married, bro? I've been married, wow, for over 21 years. Wow. I had to think about that for a minute, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so long ago, you know, 21 years. And, uh, And how many kids for our listeners? got two lovely daughters, teenage daughters right now. And how old are they? They are 19 and 17. Oh, man. One out, one to go. You're about to be an empty nester, bro. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So so tell our listeners uh, a little bit how you met your wife. Wow. uh, We actually met in college. Um, uh, my fraternity uh, was throwing a, a party, a fundraiser, and I was in college, and uh, she came in with one of her good friends to celebrate her 21st birthday. And um, her friend knew my friend at the time, my roommate at the time, and they introduced us to each other. Um, I asked her to dance, and the rest is history. <laughs> It was just like that. <laughs> yeah. Now we 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 actually um, knew each other for a while. We didn't connect, um, uh, you know, the first time we met, but uh, we saw each other around a few times after that. And then um, her sorority was having a dance, 
and uh, her friend actually convinced her to ask me out for the first time. So, um, and it was perfect timing. I had just gotten out of one relationship, and um, as soon as I got out of it, uh, she asked me out, and then um, we uh, talked for a while, and uh, one thing led to another, and we were a couple all the way up till graduation. So y'all were like college sweethearts almost. Uh, almost, yeah, pretty much. So we kept in touch. We stayed together after college. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went to uh, the area she lived in, the Hampton Road area, got a job. Eventually we uh, got engaged and uh, got married in Hampton, Virginia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, good stuff. And and at your on your wedding day in uh, Hampton, Virginia, she was perfectly healthy on your wedding day. Oh yes, yes, very healthy. So you know, getting into this topic tonight, who who was the first to realize that something was a little off regarding her health? You or your wife? It was me. Um, I see her every day, and. Um, I I know her pretty much better than anyone else does. Um, and, uh, you know, I started noticing things years ago um, just in her behavior and uh, how she, how quickly she was able to react or not react to things. Um, you know, I pointed it out to her, um, but she would brush it off. Um, and, um, you know, one thing led to another and, um, you know, I, I kept telling her that she needed to go to the doctor, of course. Um, unfortunately, it took them a while to diagnose what her condition is. Um, eventually, once I went to um, the doctor with her, I found out that um, she was kind of sugarcoating her symptoms a little bit, So, which made it a little harder to diagnose. Um, she tried to be, you know, very positive and um, kind of downplay how she was feeling, um, you know, little questions such as, you know, do you lose your balance sometimes? And she would say, yeah, sometimes I, I lose my balance. And I was like, whoa, shaking my head. Like, you don't have your balance at all any of the time, you know. Uh, the situation where, you know, she got pulled over for driving and had to try to uh, pass a drunk driving test, um, she would fail easily, and it's not because she was drunk. It's just because her balance was way off. And little things like um, the alarm to the house, you know, she used to come right in and beep, 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 punch the code, alarm off. And that slowed down to where she was like, beep, one second, beep, another second, Mm. beep. And then beep. So it was just the hand-eye coordination type thing. And, um, you know, and uh, eventually, you know, she got a diagnosis um, because we weren't sure what was going on. And we found out she had a rare genetic disease called spina cerebellar ataxia. Uh, Wow, that's a long. Spina, spina serological ataxia. (laughs) Spina, <laughs> that's a tongue twister, right? Um, yeah, it is. Spina you got cerebella. It right the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. sir. Okay. All right. Cerebella, wow. yes. Yeah. 
And what so, year? Uh, what year did you say you started noticing those things? Um, not sure if I can pinpoint. It's been years, um, but it, it was just little things. Um, you know, she, you know, would say that, um, you know, she she was just hungry, hadn't eaten enough, just being lightheaded, um, and it's been, I guess, over five years, you know, almost 10 years, and gradually it got a little worse and worse, and then eventually we saw some tremors, and um, I, I would tell her, yeah, you need to go to the doctor again, because, you know, since it's a genetic disease, um, she pretty much passed all her physicals, um, and nothing, and it's rare, so they weren't able to notice a lot. So they would say, you know, you're a working mom, it's normal, you're tired, so on and so forth. And, uh, of course, I'd come back after hearing, you know, she'd come back home after hearing the report tell me that, and I'm like, okay, it, it's more than that. You know, you're not the only working mom. I don't know other, you know, working moms, you know, with this issue that you're having. Um, but, um, you know, and I think it's just, you know, coming to reality and the grips of terms of what's going on, um, you know, was hard for her to deal with. Um, so, you know, until she could accept what was going on, it was hard for her to communicate what was going on as well. So it was challenging. It was very challenging. Hey, Charles, can I, Charles, right? Yes. Hey, can I ask you a question? It's Darren. Yeah, um, I just wanted to know if did she get upset with you for saying something different than what you felt the doctor was telling her? Um, yes, she did. She did. Y'all, so y'all got into it sometime from time to time. Oh like yeah, that? we we got into it a lot. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> um, um, because I mean, um. You know, anyone who knows us knows I'm more, I guess, of the realist um, yeah. as far as in the relationship. Um, and she says it's negative. <laughs> I'm the negative one, and I see myself as a realist, and she thinks she's just trying to be optimistic. Um, to me, there's a difference between being optimistic about something and kind of accepting reality. So, um, but, you know, you know, and, and we, we've had many conversations about it, and, you know, her whole thing is she's like, hey, that's the way God made me, you know. Um, so I, I had to come to terms with that and accept that as well, you know. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think she was in denial for years. Um, you know, eventually she admitted that she, she kind of felt like if something was wrong, it was really serious, and uh you know, even after she got the diagnosis, it was hard for her to come to terms with it and accept what was going on. And uh, a lot of that is, is our biggest argument, it's just her coming to terms with things. Because um, uh, she, she's a very emotional creature. So, um, you know, and, and, and the conversations we always have and is I'm the logical one and she's the emotional one. So, um, you know, a lot of times she's ruled, you know, by her emotions. Yep. Okay. Thanks, bro. Hey, Charles. Quick question. Uh, I heard you use the word rare uh, about this disease, but when you have a daughter, uh, two things: is this 
disease just uh, subject to women or women just subject to this? And even though you're saying it's rare, are you all still kind of keeping an eye on your daughters as far as them getting them checked out as they enter into adulthood? That's a good question. Um, so since it is a genetic disease, um, you know, one of the things is, um, you know, we didn't know anybody in her family who had had it. Uh, unfortunately, my wife, um, like unfortunately uh, a number of women, um, she doesn't know her father. So um, we're pretty certain it's from her father's side of the family. So um, we, we decided pretty much not to do any genetic testing on our daughters, um, just allow them to kind of live their best life. Um, and if they decide to kind of move forward um, in any relationships, such as get engaged or, you know, get married or have kids, um, to go get the test prior to that to see if they have it. Um, because right now there is no cure, um, it's not going to really make a a difference if they get diagnosed at this point in time. So unless they're trying to make uh, very large life decisions, uh, we recommend it to them to pretty much wait, uh, especially now with our healthcare system. Um, it's hard to get coverage with a lot of insurance companies if you have a, a diagnosed pre-existing condition. So, wow. Right. Uh, yeah, our recommendation is for them to just live their best life right now, and whatever happens, happens. Um, the good thing is with uh, medical technology, the way it is right now, is, um, you know, um, with in vitro fertilization, if they have a planned pregnancy, they can do genetic testing on the embryo prior to implantation. So identify that genetic trait and... Um, you know, decide whether or not to move forward with that egg. So, um, you know, if our daughters do as we've taught them and, uh, you know, plan, you know, their pregnancies uh, around marriage, um, then, uh, you know, this disease will end, you know, um, you know, with them if they have it or, you know, not get passed on to our grandkids. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so thank God for medical technology. So hopefully, um, you know, it ends um, and, you know, we eventually see a cure. But the the good news is um, we're blessed enough to find a clinical trial uh, with promising results um, that uh, we're in the process of getting qualified for. So, um, you know, prayerfully, um, we hope it works out. So. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? No, I did. Uh, did oh, go um, ahead. Go ahead, then. No, go I was ahead. just going. Um, did you you guys ever think about? I mean, did divorce ever come to the point where it was on the table? Um, no, not at all. Um, and a lot of it, you know, comes from our face. Um, you know, my wife and I. Um, you know, took our vows very seriously. Um, so um, when we we did that, um, you know, we we knew it was for better, for worse, um, for in sickness and in health. You know, and uh, till death do us part. 
Um, unfortunately, she she's had a couple of friends who who have gotten sick, and um, their husbands have left them. Um, but I think a lot of it is is what society um, kind of pushes on people. When you look at romantic movies, um, Disney movies, um, it's happily ever after. They don't talk about sickness and health, better for worse, till death do you part. So um, a lot of people look to stay around for the good times. um, And, uh, you know, and and they get married to be happy, which um, if um, you – you know marriage, you know it's about commitment more than uh, happiness. Um, you know, of course, it's great if you find happiness in marriage, um, you know, and, and that's the goal um, for each person to work on, on making their house, their spouse as, as happy as possible. But uh, the foundation of marriage is, is committed commitment, and we are committed to each other. So, um, you know, our faith, is what drives uh, most of our decisions. Uh, we try to have that, um, you know, use that to, to build our value system. And uh, when you make a commitment in front of God, uh, you should try to honor that is what we believe. Right. So, and I'm going to ask this question, and you don't have to answer if it's just too personal, but has it affected mm-hmm. your life? No. I wouldn't say that. Okay. Hey, it's just us fellas talking, so. (laughs) 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 I was wondering when that was coming. (laughs) Came early. Yeah, Darren dropping the heat early, you know. Um, But when, I mean, you talked about her friends, do you think that your wife legitimately had thoughts that you would leave her? You know, I know you're a religious guy and all that good stuff, but do, do you think that, you know, she has some, some thoughts that you would kind of roll out like her friend's husband uh, did I think, when they got, they got sick? I, I, I think it was more that she felt like um, bad kind of uh, being a burden more than anything. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, just feeling like I didn't sign up for this, um, where to me, you know, um, you know, just knowing that we, you know, we had planned on growing old together, uh, I knew that we both wouldn't always be in, in good health as a result of that. So, um, but, um, you know. I'm sure not a lot of people, not a lot of guys do it the same as I do, but, um, I mean, it's a commitment. Um, and, uh, you know, not to say that, um, you know, it's easy, but, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, my faith drives, uh, as a big driver in, in, most of the decisions I make in my life. So I I try to, you know, use God as my counsel. Now, I know that may not be true for a lot of people, but um, if if you got married in the church, you definitely need to, um, to uh, listen to the words that you're saying. Um, (laughs) When you you have all those witnesses, it it definitely says, unless you've gone to the justice's piece or something else, um, you know, it clearly says in sickness and in health, 
for better, for worse, till death do you part. So, um, yeah. you know, and those are so so Charles. So Charles, with the with, with it being out there, I mean, I'm just asking you, with it being out there, like I said, can I answer? You know, uh, how you choose or if not. I mean, do you feel like at this point, as far as where your wife is with this disease and everything, is there limitations as far as you feeling like she's not that woman anymore or she is failing to meet her wifely duties, if you will, you know, and and, and not just from a, a intimate point of view, but just overall, you know, is, is she just limited and you just kind of feel like, the bulk of the relationship is on your shoulders because of her limitations or y'all still able to just really get along with each other, love each other, do things with each other in the whole nine yards. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still, you know, hang out, you know, um, do the Netflix and chill thing. If she's not, um, you know, feeling up to going out. Uh, and when, you know, we, we plan on, you know, going to concerts, you know, we recently went out and saw Jill Scott, um, plan on seeing another concert in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, we still travel, um, you know, so even though she is disabled, um, just like a lot of, uh, disabled people out there, um, you know, they can still live life to the fullest. Um, one of the things she constantly says is that she's going to try to live her best life, you know, despite her limitations. And, uh, that's what we try to do each day. So uh, that's our goal. But, um, you know, to be honest, yes. I mean, there there is, is more work that I have to do as a result of it um, because of her limitations. Um, but, um, you know, that's something I've kind of, you know, thought through and mentally prepared myself for. You know, if you're in it for the long haul, you know, you, you got to, you know, understand, you know, what you – going to have to deal with going forward um and um you know the 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 weight that you're going to have to lift um so she needs help you know doing more you know around the house um you know we're blessed enough to have a teenage daughter still in the house with us right now who you know helps out a lot with the chores and you know driving around running errands you know going to the grocery store uh, although she mm-hmm. still can do that uh, sometimes, um, she does have limitations. But uh, it's definitely challenging. I'm definitely not saying it's easy. Uh, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, with God's help, we're making it through. So, yo, and your wife. Just... Go ahead. Okay. That was a real quick. You got it, Sam. Go ahead, bro. Okay, I was going to say real quick, just, you know, I mean, it's like Darren said, this is the fellas talking, but just as a man, you know, as a husband, I mean, what what do you kind of do, you know, and since you've known she's been sick, and then to see her health kind of going through transition, what is it that you deal with, you know, on that daily basis or whatever? Oh, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, it's been hard. I mean, it's been challenging, um, you know, a lot you know, for me to come to terms with too. Um, just struggling and seeing her come to terms with it. Um, I, I can still remember the, the, the day, the last day she, she went to work. Um, um, like Rodney said earlier, she's a teacher. Um, uh, she had pretty much kind of run out of sick days through the whole school year. 
and it was like the last day of school and you know there were no kids there for the last real last day of school for teachers um they just you know get their classroom together and there are no kids there they're all gone and uh, you really just have to show up and um you know she came to me and clearly said she's like hey i'm struggling i don't know if i could do this and i'm like are you sure? All you got to do is just show up. <laughs> you know, you get paid for the day. You know, we're out of sick days. You know, be nice to get that extra money because, you know, every day you take off, you know, your your paycheck is shorter at this point in time. And and she, she, was, she was struggling. So um, I, and that was the day I knew. I was like, wow, she, she's not going back to work. And that was before the diagnosis because I'd slowly mm-hmm. seen her kind of deteriorate. Um, but, you know, throughout that process, um, for some reason, she, she kind of believed in that she was going back to work and everything would be fine and, you know, still hadn't come to terms with it, even though, um, her condition has been slowly deteriorating for years. Um, you know, it's tough to watch her just not being able to except what was going on to the point, you know, where, you know, she, you know, delayed, you know, filing for disability, um, you know, getting her Social Security, early retirement, and so on and so forth, because I guess she just saw herself doing these things at the age of 70 instead of, you know, 40-something. So, um, that was kind of uh, challenging for her, you know, us as a family because she, you know, part of it was just her trying to be positive, believing that she, she would, you know, kind of go back to work and everything would work out somehow and uh, not moving forward with the current reality that we have. Did so I answer your question? Song. No, I was going to ask, um, is she, she's not wheelchair-bound. She just can't move as fast as she used to move, or is she wheelchair-bound? Um, not at this point. Um, so she could still um, get around. She sometimes has to use a walker. Um, whenever we're traveling in the airport, we definitely need um, the wheelchair assistance. Um, so walking or standing for long periods of time right now is uh, her biggest challenge. Um, but, um, you know, the doctors say to expect that going forward, but as long as possible, she should try to move and walk and, you know, exercise to slow the progression of the disease. Okay. So at his full, uh, blown, uh, force, then she will be uh, in uh, just paralyzed, or what is the the end result of you know when it's finally take its full course or full effect? Um, yeah, it, it mainly it's a debilitating disease, um, but with that, um, just to give you more detail, um, so spina cerebellar ataxia, it's um, uh, the t- deterioration of the cerebellum which is um, the part of your brain that controls speech and balance and coordination. Uh Um, And right now that portion of our brain is 30 to 40% smaller than the average person. Um, And the antibodies 
are attacking that portion of the brain. So um, the more it deteriorates, pretty much, the more she loses that motor function. Um, And, you know, eventually, you know, it it could lead to death, definitely. Uh, But it's more debilitating than anything. And it's slowly progressing is, is the thing. So what we're trying to do now is stop the progression with this clinical trial. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's definitely, you know, it was a lot for us to come to terms with, and particularly her, you know. Um, but, you know, there's no stopping of its deterioration. Um, you can kind of slow the progression, you know, with diet, exercise, rest, and making sure um, – that you you stay active and take care of yourself and minimize stress. Um, So, um, you know, that being said, that's when I was like, yeah, you're you're definitely not going to work, in addition to the doctor saying that as well. So, um, but she was kind of trying to push through and and go back to work. So um, that's another challenge we had to deal with as well. So when you, I'm sorry, man, it, this is a this is a serious subject um, because yeah. it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Do the doctors diagnose? Okay. Uh, now I don't know how long it's been when she first got diagnosed and you told her to stop going to work. How, how long? Um, it's been a little over a year now um, since her diagnosis. Also, oh, this is new. Yes, it's it's it's, it's still very new. Um, but like I said, I've noticed the symptoms for a while. Um, you know, trying to find out who that and, is in her. Block them off. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, somebody uh, uh, sleep or breathing or something. Did you mute your phone? Sorry, go ahead, Charles. Thank you. Okay, my bad. Mm-hmm. No problem. What was the last yeah. question? No, I, I was just saying. You know, you found out a year ago. This is pretty new. And mm-hmm. since you found out, it was two years ago, right? I say about two years ago. Um, I, you know, I've known something's wrong for a while. The official diagnosis was a little over a year ago. Okay, um, so has, has it gotten in, has it gotten worse since a year ago? No, for, fortunately, um, it hasn't progressed a lot. Fortunately, um. Um, like it did the first few months. Um, so, you know, with her job, um, there, there's a lot of stress. And um, I clearly noticed um, that uh, the more stressed she was with her job, the faster her condition would progress. Oh, gotcha. So once, once yeah. she, she stopped working, um, you know, there was an initial, you know, deterioration. Um, but once I noticed the symptoms were, you know, around, you know, would kind of, you know, become more intense the more she stressed out or, you know, didn't get her rest, uh, I insisted that, hey, you remove, you know, any stress, you know, that you're encountering and try you know, to, you know, take naps during the day and, and make sure she doesn't push herself too hard um, because the more she pushes herself, the 
the larger the symptoms get, such as the tremors, her losing the balance, the fatigue, and so on and so forth. Gotcha. Okay. Good words. Anybody else? So you you said um, about the vows and everything, you know, sickness and in health. When you were standing at the altar 21 years ago, did you think that you would have to put those vows to use as soon, so soon in your marriage? Um, no, I didn't. Um, I definitely look forward to us, um, you know, retiring, traveling together, you know, seeing the world um, and, uh, you know, doing a, a lot of different things, um, uh, you know, that active. One of the things that we, we constantly talked about, um, you know, doing once the kids got out of the house is taking a dance class together, you know, samba, merengue, all all these different types of dances um, we wanted to try out. Um, and, um, you know, of course, you know, that's not, you know, possible for her right now, even though that's one of the things she mentioned that she wanted to do um, once uh, she stopped working. Um, I, I realistically didn't see it happening. Um, I, I think it would have been more frustrating for her than anything. So she mentioned it one time, but I kind of, you know, kind of glossed it over. And then I think she thought about it and then mentioned it again. So I'm sure that that was a disappointing, um, you know, thought for her that she wouldn't be able to do something like that. But, um, you know, you know, prayerfully, you know, we're going to focus on the things that we can do instead of the things that we can't, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you, you know, you mentioned how, you were a re- religious man. Were you ever angry at God for this? You ever had some thoughts like, yo, God, mm. what's up? Why me? You know, I mean, did, did that ever cross your mind? Not me. Um, and I, I'm sure that's, that's possibly unusual. Um, uh, I, I definitely, um, whenever I, I reach frustrating points in life, um, I, I get to the point where I, I, I thank God for the most basic things, you know. Um, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for the activities of my limbs um, because, you know, every day that you're standing upright is a blessing pretty much uh, is the way I view it. Um, and, and maybe it's because I've seen a lot of tragedy um, or heard of it, um, you know, in my life. So I know that, um, you know, nobody's promised tomorrow. Um, I, I'm definitely thankful, you know, for the health I have, and I've always been thankful for it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something I never took for granted. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely, you know, grateful that, you know, she could still get around and move around right now. And, you know, drive uh, at certain times uh, and still support herself. Um, and one of the things that really put it into perspective is when we went to um, uh, the National Tax Year Conference um, in, um, earlier this year in Vegas uh, where I saw a lot of people who were 
you know, wheelchair bound and a lot worse off than my wife. Um, so, so most people just looking at her, you know, think everything's fine, you know, to the point when she went to file for disability, um, she told me the guy told her, you know, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with you, <laughs> you know? Mm. And, um, you know, so I, I definitely consider that a big blessing. So when we went to that conference to find out more about the disease and the treatments that they currently have available, um, we saw, you know, how, how blessed we truly were compared to a lot of people out there. Um, you know, we met this young lady who, you know, was in a wheelchair, um, couldn't really even walk um, barely, um, and she had a younger sister who passed away from the disease. So, um, you know, uh, and, you know, thankfully, you know, you know, Veronica, you know, has lived, you know, fairly long, you know, life compared to that, um, to where, you know, her sister passed away in her 20s and she's in her 30s and, you know, Veronica was speaking and moving a lot better than, than, than she was. So, um, you know, all she had to do is pretty much just hold the side of my arm and, uh, you know, she was good where a lot of people were wheelchair bound and, you know, needed a crutch or a cane and a walker and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So try to stay positive and look at the bright side of things. But, yeah, you got to be thankful for the little things because, um, you know, that's definitely something I don't take for granted is uh, is health. So, mm-hmm. Charles, what, what kind of network do you have, like church, friends, family? Hey, is that you, Lenny? That's Lenny. Yeah. Well, you know the answer. He's part that. of the network. I, I think he's part of the network. Yeah, you're part but of I, the but network. I think it's, um, but I think it's important for him to kind of, if, if kind of. Yeah, that, that's definitely that's a big part of it. Part. Um, I mean, you know, brothers like you and, and and Rodney definitely, you know, part of my support system. Uh, in addition to to my church. Um, the ministries that they have there. Um, um, shout out to First Baptist Church of uh, Glen Arden, you know. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm, I'm part of a good church um, who's got, like, a great support system out there um, and great teachings to keep things like this in perspective. So oh, definitely a blessing. Good. But, yeah, uh, I mean, definitely because... talking to brothers, just like, uh, you know, the theme of your show, Rodney, you know, um, you know, I, I've got a number of friends where, close friends where I, I could kind of share the things I'm going through with and um, kind of, you know, talk it through and, you know, bend their ear um, and uh, help me put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Were your parents married for a long time? My parents, I think they were married uh, 30 years. Yes. Until? So, until they got divorced. Yes. 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They were married 30 years before they got divorced. That is very But, I mean, uh, my, my parents, my, 
that was definitely not the model I, I tried to follow. Um, um, my parents were not, let's say, together for all those 30 years. Um, unfortunately, my father, you know, worked a lot overseas. So um, even though technically they were married, um, a lot of the time they weren't together. Sometimes they were apart from each other for as much as a year, you know. Mm. So um, that was definitely not the model I was looking for um, when when I entered into to marriage. So, as a matter of fact, um, you know, I, I you know I'm a software engineer, software consultant, and um, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, uh, before we got married, I had a number of opportunities just to travel you know, and uh, do different consulting gigs around the country and, um, you know, made a decision that once I wanted to settle down and get married that, um, you know, I would give that up um, just so I I would be around, you know, like my father, uh, unlike my father was, you know, for me growing up a lot of times, so. Mm -hmm. So. I, I was motivated to do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, another question, man. Um, when people in this situation or married couples in this situation uh, get beyond the point where the wife or the husband cannot sexually perform, is it a such thing as talking about having a conversation with, uh, you know, just a can you you can do this with someone else or you know um and and I don't mean to sound so shallow but um like my wife she told me when she had cancer she gave me an out you know but and 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 I thought it was kind of weird at the time but then after talking to her like saying that hey you know I don't know how bad this is going to get but so if you want to roll out or this and that. I'd, I'd rather you just say we can be done and and that we had a good marriage by you, you you cheating or, you know, or I'd rather you just let me know what you feel like doing. But is that a conversation that you guys have had? Because I thought it was kind of weird myself and she just, I mean, I'm not saying she just had cancer because it's just like, oh, just she just got cancer. Your wife got this. No, that's bad too. But she was, she didn't know, we didn't know where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So that hard conversation that we had to have, she was of, you know, look, just let's, we we talked about it is what I'm saying. Have you guys had that talk mm-hmm. as well? Um, Not at all. Um, I mean, I, that's not even something I think either of us can, can, have considered at this point. Um, uh, I'm not sure how bad things got for you, but, um, you know, like, like I said, um, you know, right now she still has, you know, even though she doesn't have the coordination that she used to have, she still has the activities of the limbs, and um, that's definitely not a conversation we've, we've had at all. So, um, yeah, and I was just that it was. I mean, my wife had a double mastectomy, and she knew that I was a breast man. And um, mm-hmm. and when she had that, then she just kind of felt like 
it was something that a conversation that she felt like she had to have with me, even though I wasn't thinking the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that thought hasn't passed through her mind or anything of that sort, but uh, it's not a conversation that we've had to this point. No, not at all. Um, right. But I can see, I, I can see why someone would have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Can I make a suggestion uh, for the sake of growth? So I work. I've worked in ICU. I've seen people put wedding rings on the bed. I've seen people say I can't do this. I've seen people reunite. I've seen people uh, who were separated and divorced rush to the hospital and be by that former mate's side. I think it hurts couples men in particular, or or even women, if we try to suggest that it's weird for a person to make a suggestion that they want to have closure on. And what I mean is these are human beings. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes in Christ or sometimes in different upbringings, let me use that word. Sometime in different upbringing, we try to pigeonhole other human beings on how we think they should be responding to a particular thing when mm-hmm. this person wants closure for whatever mm-hmm. their concern is so they can continue mm-hmm. healing. Or this mm-hmm. person wants an understanding before they move forward. Having been in ICU for three years, I've noticed, and I'm no longer there, but I've noticed, and and even in hospice too, I've noticed people don't really know who they are to have the ability Mm -hmm. to say, hey, look, uh, if you need to bounce, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. let me give you this out. And then for somebody Mm -hmm. else, and I'm not holding nobody to the fire, but I, I just think it hurts our community to say, you're not manning up. Or you not woman enough, woman enough. You have to allow human human beings to have their flaws, so that maybe the other person can grow. Because if you pigeonhole them into that, and they fake the funk, because they don't want to be shamed into it's weird. Now you're doing the person that's healing a triple disservice. Just a yeah. suggestion. But you know, on the other side of that coin, class, you made some good points, but also. I think instead of the person who might be sick or got the illness, just going ahead and putting it out there and say, hey, you know, I'm sick, and whether it's a husband or a wife, you know, I'm sick, and I know you want to move on or you want to do this or you want to do this or you want to be sexually pleased or whatever the topic may be on their mind, to just put it out to that person. And that person, whether it's a husband or a wife, you know, at that point, you know, their main concern is saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm trying to see about you and make sure you are right in the whole nine yards. And that might not even cross their mind, you know. But then a person who's with the sickness, you know, they're thinking about a lot of things in life. They're thinking about how long am I going to live, this, that, and the other, you know. And then they probably even thinking, you know, I've I've dealt with people who've been sick, and they've been more concerned about the people who will, you know, than they are about their own sickness. So, like I said, you make some good points, and from what you've seen in your experience, I understand that. But also, let's not give the person who's still the well spouse or whatever, uh, uh, let's not take it for them 
that they do have that dedication in their heart or uh, whatever it is, you know, and that love they got in their heart. They just thinking, oh, you sick, you know, I got to roll on. Or you sick, now I got to find provisions for myself as far as me being pleased and everything because you can't perform your duties no more. I'm I'm confused. So you saying that we should not say anything to the healthy person? No, not necessarily. But I was saying, not necessarily say that. And then that's just a conversation. If you know two people have a conversation, it is what it is. But I'm saying, let's not just automatically jump to the conclusion that a person, when their spouse is sick, first thing come in their mind is they thinking, how can I get my needs met now that my spouse is sick? Oh, no, I didn't say anything close to that. What I was saying was for a fourth and fifth person to make the first or the second person feel insecure about the conversation. I'm talking about the fourth and fifth person outside of one and two. I'm not saying anything about two and one. I'm talking about four and five, not even three, four and five from the outside saying, girl, don't even tell him that. Or dude, dude, uh, uh, don't even listen to her when she say that. That's a real moment because this person okay. is healed and has nothing but time to think. And the last thing they want to do is have that concern. If mm-hmm. it needs to go, let it go now so they can focus on healing. I saw a brother. I don't want to hog the mic. I saw a brother. This lady, he had a plate in his head. This lady said, I can't do it. It liberated him and gave him the fight to live another three or five years. He beat hospice because of that. He he reavert that that loss into a passion to live. So you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, medical is a funny thing. So my my apologies for holding yeah. the mic. But 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 medical. I just want to put add this is that um. I mean, none of us know what our, if we're married, what our lifetime commitment is going to involve. I mean, medical is just one of the things. I mean, I think that you make the commitment at the beginning, you know, that, hey, look, I'm in it for the long haul, and what comes, comes. I mean, you got to have the hard conversations, but but the hard conversations are just part of the journey. But you decided that you're going to finish the journey with that person when you started it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like you said, that commitment means a lot. I mean, it means a lot because even without, you know, sickness, I mean, there's people, you know, this happens, you know, every day. People wake up and say, you just not the word anymore, you know. So what you, you know, just said, use that word commitment is, you know, uh, profound because at any time a person can wake up one day, be the most in love person and everything, you know, you see the people next week, and you'll be like, oh, what happened to old John? Oh, he ain't around no more. You know, what happened to old Gloria? I just wasn't feeling that no more. You know, people can put that in their mind when they're feeling whatever they're feeling during those times. Uh, you can be as healthy as a horse. Mm-hmm. And, and But you know what? I, I see that thing, you know, the, the word commitment is, you know, you put aside how you feel, you know. I think a lot of what we're talking about is how individuals feel. Now, I agree, everyone's entitled to their feelings. Um, but when you're honoring a commitment, that's something that you do even though you don't feel like it. 
mm-hmm. it's not always convenient to honor a commitment. Um, it's not always easy to stay committed to whatever the situation is. But but commitment is that. It's um, you're giving your word, your bond on doing something. And, you know, if if you're a person of your word, you know, and you can hold on to it. You you hold you you hold on to that commitment, and you try to honor that commitment. Um, I mean, especially if if you're a person of faith, um, and you make that commitment before God, that's not something that you you should lay down lightly. Um, you know, when it says for better for worse, that means even when you don't feel like it, sickness and in health, that means you know, through the bad times, you know, you got to hang in there. You know, there's something to be said, you know, for loyalty. It's it's not always convenient to be loyal. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> um, and, you know, none of us in this world are perfect, you know. Um, to, to be committed to somebody or to something is definitely not always easy. But, um, you know, you know, when you're trying to honor a, a commitment, um, you know, a marriage in particular, nobody ever said that was going to be easy. And I think society has a tendency to put out there that, hey, you know, happily ever after, you know, constantly. Well, anybody who's been married knows that it's not constantly, you know, happy all the time. And um, if you make a commitment to somebody, um, you know, as soon as you're not happy with the situation, um is not when you should quit, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing in your vows, if if you're listening to it, let's say anything about happiness. I don't know if <laughs> you, you guys listen to it, uh, especially if you, you hear those vows in the church. There's not one word in there about happiness. And I think that's what a lot of people look for. Um, and I think if, if, if you're looking for happiness, you know, you need to find it within yourself and not within necessarily a marriage. You can definitely find somebody to be happy with, but if you're not happy and content with yourself, you shouldn't look for marriage to make you happy. Well, you know, in relationships, period, here you say it, Brother Justin, the words that you were saying, you know, you talked about commitment and loyalty. You know, on the show, we have a plan of words where you say married men don't talk, but in a relationship, you got to talk, especially if you're into that commitment, that loyalty, because every day changes things, uh, things change, you know, or a person has a thought, you know, when it's two people, you know, like, what is this me by myself? I wake up in the morning. I know what I want to eat for breakfast. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing for the day. And it's me. When you got another person you add on, you know, especially mm-hmm. the person you're in a relationship with, you know, you might discuss what would you like to eat for breakfast this morning? And what do you, you know, they have desires and ideals and thoughts too. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that comes with saying, when you say I want to be committed to somebody, you take the vows, you get married, you want to stay loyal and all that. It's a constant changing thing that we're talking, we're discussing, and then we're ensuring that what we come together for is for the purpose of both of us uh, towards those goals. So if those goals is happy, uh, this, that, the other, whatever you add to it, then it's us, you know. And I think sometimes we lose that, 
in some of our relationships instead of that, girl, it's just me and you against the world, you know, sometimes it becomes your significant other in the world against you. You know, somebody might feel like that or mm-hmm. they feel like, well, mm-hmm. she always wants her way. He always wants his way. And you come at odds mm-hmm. instead of coming back together and say, hey, I have a difference. You know, I feel indifferent about something. Can we discuss mm-hmm. this and then come on the right track and not leave it at that edited difference, but come back on the right track for the benefit of who? Us, you and I. Well, oh, this it's my, definitely this not easy. Two cent- okay. My two cents is that basically, you know, um, we're all Christians on there, I believe, or pursuing that or some interest in that, right? So there's a there's a relationship with Jesus Christ that us men are supposed to have, right? And our roles in this marriage is as the head of the household, right? So we're supposed to be in relationship with God. But on earth, the closest thing to the relationship with God is our marriage to our wives, right? So basically, as we are uh, uh, cultivating our relationship with Jesus Christ, he's, he's leading us, right? And then we're supposed to bring that into the marriage. But it's not it's never about, you know, us. We're supposed to be actually just trying to fulfill our spouse's needs and vice versa. I don't know if anybody's doing that perfectly, but that's what it's about. And if you ever really read the Bible and you really read what love is in the Bible, it it is not this romantic thing that we have, you know, out here in the world. Love in the Bible is commitment. And and you could probably identify it more with your children. You're not walking around divorcing your children, right? And your children's behavior doesn't really – is not conditional about if you're going to love them or not. You know, you're going to love them, you know, and go through their ups and downs, and you're just going to be committed to them for a lifetime. That's the same commitment that you're going to have with your wife. It's just that they're not, um, she's not, she wasn't born of you, but now she is, you know, part of you. And that's that same commitment that you're going to be going through whatever life brings you, you all are going to face it together. But you got to have that uh, vertical relationship has to be intact, too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to do it all carnal, um, it's, it's just too hard. Yeah. I kind of point to the speaker, a point to the speaker, good words, you know, but like you said, if, <laughs> if you are the one and you give them to your spouse, you know, give it in, they've got to give it in return as well. You know, it, it, it can't be one way. And that's what I was saying. And, you know, you said that's some what, nice stuff and I, I, I agree with you, too, what, you know, so certain things, but it's just always, you know, here you are, and you give, give, give. You give, give, give. You know, and then that spouse has to be on that same uh, mindset as well. You know, that you give and I'm giving. We give, we give it each other again for the collective, for us to work together. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you at least something that um, also that you have to always bring into it. And I'm, and I'm not giving you any kind of um, platitudes. I don't want to sound like that's what I'm giving, but. The day is is that you have to have prayer as part of your life, right? And you have to uh, you have to pray for your 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 spouse, right? You know, um, whatever that is, is that if you're saying that your spouse is as a selfishness or whatever, you got to put that stuff on the altar. But you got to put your own mess on the altar too, right? Mm. You know, so it, it allow God to 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 change you. But huh? But yeah, but what you mostly got to focus on is you. You know, it's, you don't. Yeah, that's what I want to. 
Yeah, I, I just got one more question for um for Charles. I told him that I I'd only keep until ten thirty, and it's ten twenty nine. Um, so Charles, this will be the last one for you, but we'll we'll keep it moving. But um, the one question I had for you is um, you know, do you ever feel like you're her caretaker and not her husband? Um, I definitely feel like a caretaker um sometimes, but I I wouldn't say um not her husband. That's for sure. Um, I feel definitely, um, you know, that that's part of my duty as her husband to take care of her a lot of times. So e- even when, you know, she was healthier, um, you know, whether she had down times, you know, was sick, you know, with a cold or flu or whatever, you know, um, you know, we, we took care of each other. Let's put it that way. Um Mm-hmm. But um, I, I definitely feel like that's my role and responsibility as her husband, and that's the way I've always looked at it. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I believe you know she would do the same for me. Mm-hmm. That's good words, and you know, to the women listening, um, we get this comment a lot. You know, because what you're saying, what um, your homie Lenny is saying, what Sam is saying, what Darren is saying, uh, what Classy is saying, is the comment that I get is that they're not make we're not we're not making men like you guys anymore and the word that they use is that we're unicorns so my question to you all is are they right you know because you all just I mean y'all are just rolling you know with the the commentary here and I mean there's great stuff and the stuff that we ideally should do as um husbands but the women in the 21st century think that you know we are dinosaurs and soon to be extinct and die out that they're not making men like us anymore are they right i think i think I, that i would say yes no go ahead <laughs> I, I would say that the, the men are being that, that we're not unicorns right i think the one thing that's unique probably about you know, Charles and I is that, you know, we actually, we, we're under the same teaching. And most people in our circles, you know, are, you know, like-minded. So it's iron sharpening iron. So I think it's the, the circles that you swing in are going to shape who you are. So the, now, now, let's, let's be honest. I, I think I got some people in my circle that that are that are rock like me, but in certain situations, I don't think they'll stick around like Charles is doing. I don't think that they will be as faithful as Charles is doing. I don't think that they will be as committed to their spouse and 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 you know the things that Charles is doing or people. That can, that that choose to stay with their spouse after they get disabled or sick. It's a lot of faking in churches, and and I'm in a great mm-hmm. church myself, but I can I can't pinpoint which people in my circle that would not ride a ride or die the whole thing out, but I know it's some in there. You know mm-hmm. I know it mm-hmm. I know that I know that it's some Judases in my circle, and that's the worst mm-hmm. thing. About it because you don't know who's there. So the only thing that you got at the end is your word and your commitment. 
in Charles because I can say, you know, before prior to my wife getting breast cancer, I could I could I could say that oh yeah, without a doubt, I'm gonna I'll stay with my wife until we die. But when she got breast cancer, it's a whole nother page of book of thoughts that was running through my head. None of them was uh, included in, you know, leaving her. But mm-hmm. I never thought like that before. All those thoughts, I never thought that I would have to think that way. You know, mm-hmm. how long is this going to happen? How long did I? How how long should I must be her her nursemaid? How long am I going to have to dump drainage tubes? Uh, how many appointments and how many more surgeries are we going to have to have? Am I going to be mm-hmm. able to? Which one am I going to choose? Am I going to choose to go to work for the family? Or, or take off for a couple of weeks until she heals. You know, it, mm-hmm. that, these are questions that people have to go, is it worth it to, you know, can I, do I need to hire somebody? Do I have to move somebody in? Am I going to like mm-hmm. it? Am I not going to like it? Uh, is mm-hmm. she going to have sex with me? If, I mean, how's that going to be? You know, it, man, it's a whole new book of questions that will lead you to start thinking, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I understand that. I just want to. I want to just comment because um, there's one thing you're right. Um, and I haven't. I've had six parents and brothers and stuff like that. So you do come across those thoughts, and I don't know if any of us are really prepared before that. You know, you just come across it and you just have to deal. But your your best weapon is prayer. You know, you gotta yep. you gotta stay in prayer. You gotta stay on your knees. Right. Amen. Right. And, and those, you know, those people that you believe, those people that you believe are Judases, you need to be praying for them, right? Because because you can't change them, but God can change them. And some people are probably going to surprise you. Well, I didn't say I I I know I think that people are Judases in my circle. I'm just saying um, I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if there are some because some are are loving and caring and Amen, brother, and let's pray. And then when when the rubber meets the road or something happens that that's uh, that's that it comes to a ride or die moment, you'd be like, whoa, bro, you know, you were the main one talking about, <laughs> you know, when, when everything was all good, you the main one saying let's stay, but why are you rolling, yeah. you know? So that no, but but again, I'm saying it, it wouldn't be no doubt if it's some in my circle, but right now you don't know who they are. You won't you won't figure out who they are until. That time comes. But yeah, yeah but let's rewind it. Let's rewind. Let's rewind it to the first frame. You know, before you rewind um, it, was, let me let me, let me oh, answer ahead, the question ahead, before, before you rewind ahead, it. Ahead, yes. I want to go yes. back back to Rodney's question. Rodney's question mm-hmm. is unicorns, and and are are these type of gentlemen unicorns? These type of gentlemen are unicorns, and this is one of the reasons why I come to this show to absorb the peaceful, positive brothers, because what's happening, unfortunately, and some of our peaceful, positive brothers don't want to acknowledge it. Many of our women who are looking for these unicorns don't speak in a mirror form like these gentlemen are speaking. There's a lack of nobility. There's a lack of nobility and honor in women's spaces, even at church. Mm -hmm. I have been in several states um, in in America. I've lived outside, but within America, I've been to several types of churches. Ladies speak lady empowerment. 
They don't speak teamwork the way these men are speaking tonight. Because I want the mm-hmm. ladies to hear to hear my answer to Rodney's question. Some shysty dudes who cheat on their wife are more honorable and noble at when, when it comes to this situation. I've had dudes who cheat on their girl. No, I ain't, I ain't leaving her side, man. I I, I got to change everything, man. I'm not saying that the, the 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 cheating and everything they was doing prior was good either. I'm saying as far as this particular topic, I'm going outside of my particular circle. I'm going what I see in medical. I see dudes selling their house to continue paying medical bills for the woman who's stuck in the hospital, his woman. You know, I've seen dudes travel by bus, two, three buses just to get to a hospital. I've seen dudes do that. So when I go into some of the church circles in, in the past, I would not see women talking like this in in the in the women's you know uh, of marriage and 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 relationship thing. It's more about her her her. And what I like is that these guys are unicorns because they're talking about the team collective. You know, I, I, I'm going to talk blackness. I'm not just going to talk guys. But then I go over here. They're only talking one way. And when other non Christians see that type of stuff, they like. I appreciate what the unicorns are doing, but I can't be like that because look at how I'm going to get treated. So the answer I say is yes, Rodney, because there's such a fear of, wow, look at today's 2019 me, 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 get the bag mentality. And these brothers trying to shame me for not being like them. My last point, and I said this on, on this show before. I saw a noble brother get with a woman who had kids. I don't know what the situation was. I, I have no idea. But he ended up in a motel while she drained all of his finances. And the thing he said to me was, that's okay. At least I helped raise her kids. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't want that. And, and, and that's what's scary. And that's why these gentlemen are unicorns, Rodney. Because they are noble and they are honorable. And it's hard for us to mimic that out there when they're seeing there's no nobility on the lady's side. That's all I want to say. Good words. On point say, because I know. Uh, oh, go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, go, go ahead bro. Just real quick, I'm going to say there's some key words that's been put out here. And one thing I've learned in life is, is that, well, again, that's one of the key words, learning, being taught, and experience. And just like I guess said, Charles said, you know, his parents were together 30 years, but his dad was gone a lot, you know, and he said when he got married, you know, it is feel he could have been like that and not been home, but that's not what he wanted, you know. So from what we experienced in relationships, seeing their relationships from our parents and grandparents, then what we've learned, and then for us who are believers who uh been in Bible-based churches, what you've been taught and things of that nature, or even what you might learn from, you know, your parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, from their relationships and stuff, the things that you taught and you realize, in my relationship, you know, when I get married or whatever it is, this is the things that I want. This is the things, and again, that's having that communication with your spouse or the lady you choose to be with to say, hey, baby, this is what I believe in. I believe in having a strong family, family doing things together, this, that, and the other. And she said, oh, I believe in that too. You know, or you find out what you both believe in and care about, and you try to make that happen. I said that to say, you know, if 
if in life, especially as a man, like when you get them around 30 years old, dare I say 40, 50, if you haven't learned nothing in life and you still go here bumping your head and doing the same old crazy, you know, stuff, it's like, wow, really? You know, so again, that's why we as brothers, we got to get around each other, embrace each other. Uh, help each other, you know. And there's it, some people who just don't know. I'm not even going to lie. Some people don't even know, you know. Are they playing into the fact of knowing? I don't know, but I'll give them, the, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Some people just don't know. So that's why we got to embrace each other there, uh, whether it be you start off, hey, I really don't want to deal with nobody outside. Start with a cousin, a brother, or somebody, and just give that mindset, you know, not to be used, not to be played, and all that other crazy stuff, but the mindset of just being, you know, a man, a true man, and then, you know, dare I say a God-fearing man, and a man that's in a relationship with God, that's even more wonderful. So we just got to get there with all of us, because so we, we're so interconnected, and we got to be there. Good words, and I know you know my answer to the question is you know I have two daughters. You know, Charles said he got two daughters as well, and I'm concerned for the you know for their uh, dating options. I am, yeah, um, yeah. I, I am, and I think it's it's right to be concerned. And I you know I think they'll be fine, but you know, yeah, uh, I'm 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 hearing what Classy said, but I want to rewind you know the tape real quick, and then I want to drop a monkey wrench because we only got 45 minutes, but. Um, you know, Charles, I want to ask you, you know, um, you said that your wife's two friends got sick, their husbands left them. Now, the question is, is did you think that, did you think that was going to be the outcome? Or did you think that those husbands, you know, you being around them, I don't know how often, you know, you were around them in, in their marriage or whatever, but was that something that you thought you predicted or did you thought you, did you think that they were going to, you know, ride out like you that's, you know, I'm down for whatever, you know, till death do us part, blah, blah, blah. Like what, what was your, yeah. I, did you, did you predict their downfall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew her friends, but I wouldn't say I, I knew their husbands well. Um, and it was just mainly because, you know, they were close with Veronica, um, uh, yeah. my wife, I should say. Um, but, um, yeah. You know, and everything I heard about them, they didn't seem like God-fearing men. So, um, and and, and it it goes back to, um, you know, what I was saying earlier. Um, I think a a lot of people go into marriage looking um, to be happy, pretty much. Um, And um, I, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got before I got married is that it's hard work. Um, a lot of people think when they get married, things are going to get easy. Um, so they see marriage as something easy and that would make them happy. And they don't see um, the sacrifices that you have to make, the compromises that you have to make a lot of time. And when they find out about it, they're not willing to do so. Um, because that was never their view of marriage to begin with. Does that make sense? So if you don't view um, marriage as commitment, compromising, sacrifice, um, and you just see it as happiness, when things get tough, you know, 
you're going to get going a lot of times. And I, I think that's um, not just so for men, but for women as well. Um, yeah. You know, and that's uh, unfortunately becoming a big part of our society to where, you know, marriage is viewed differently. Um, it's not viewed um, from a spiritual perspective as much anymore. Um, when you look at, um, you know, uh, marriage equality, um, you know, they don't view it from a biblical perspective. It's it's more view, viewed from a legal perspective than anything. So if you're going into it for happiness, so as soon as you don't find happiness, then you're out. Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? Good words. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, bro. And uh, I'm glad you said that about women because I got a monkey wrench. And I, I recently read a story online from a woman who was venting her frustration. This is a true story. Um, she's been taking care of her husband for eight, the last 18 months after a work accident that fractured three discs in his lower spine. And he's lost use of one leg and has very little sensation below his waist. She said they haven't had sex since the accident. So 18 months, and she said it's reached the point to where he hardly touches her, except when he, she needs to help him with doing something around the house. So, fellas, what, what should this woman do? What advice do y'all have for her? I mean, I think when, um, there, there are different ways to connect. I mean, um, you know, uh, one of the things is, is, you know, if you're trying to do the same things you were doing before, um you're going to have to switch it up pretty much. Um, Find uh, different ways to reconnect. Um, And, you know, you have to have some sort of intimacy at that point as well. Um, It can't just be about sex. Um, Mm -hmm. When when you're young and, and, you know, and energetic, you know, it doesn't take anything to get you aroused, but once, you know, you have injuries or you get older, you know, intimacy is, is really where it's at. you you got to connect with the other person uh, with, where they're at. And if you're disconnected, it's definitely hard to be intimate. Mm. Hey, hey, can I ask a question real quick about, about what you said, Rodney? Um, sure. The statement you said, who's responsible for taking the lead? on ensuring the relationship is good in that scenario? Is it the dude that, say, is hurt, or is it the wife? Who's responsible for being, like, the person who can really make the thing work? Hmm. I think well, they both that's, are. It's gotta, yeah, it's got to be both ways. It just can't be a one-way thing. And <laughs> no, I'm, but I, I mean, think – I think I think Malcolm's question is valid because he, you know, obviously the textbook answer is both. Like Malcolm's not looking for a textbook answer of, well, both should be passionately, you know, working on the passion of the man. Like he's literally, like legitimately, dude is hurt. He's he's physically injured and he's obviously probably um, emotionally, mentally messed up, but. Right, you can't really expect him to take the lead on it. Right, that's that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. It's not so much a textbook answer, but when I say both, like I was about to use the example you just gave us, the monkey wrench you gave us, and now since she spoke out about it already in her little letter or whatever, 
she got to go to him and say, honey, you know, this is what I noticed. And, and, and not come in argumentative or like she attacking him. But but I love, baby, I know you've been hurt, this, that, other. And, you know, let me know how you feeling because I feel a kind of disconnect between us. You know, I love you dearly. I want us to get back to having some type of whatever, whatever. And then he could respond and say, well, baby, that's why I'm not doing that. Hopefully he'd come across like that. I mean, I know I'm talking calm. Sometimes we don't talk as calm. But to be honest and say, look, baby, the reason why I'm not doing this is because I feel like this and I feel like that. And then you work on it. That's why I say it's got to be both people. Because if you got information, you know, you feel in a certain way. If I don't tell you, I'm feeling a certain way. I don't say nothing about it. Or you feel a certain way. You don't say nothing about it. Then we're going to be just like spinning tops. You ever seen them spinning tops and they just bump into each other? They keep spinning and sometimes they get close enough and they bump into each other. And that's all you're doing. So us as humans, I mean, we got knowledge. We got brains. We got education. We go to these fancy schools and spend all these money so we can get a degree with our name on it. But we can't even talk to each other to figure out a problem. <laughs> so, well, you know, that's why I'm saying I'm not giving Malcolm a, a textbook answer. But then, and, and again, uh, you said who should take the lead in it. Then maybe Malcolm, like I say, just in Rodney's example that EJ gave, this lady, since she already spoke out about it, you know, maybe she needed to take that first step and talk to her husband and say this is what's going on. Sometimes we got to stop downplaying women and say, oh, women want to talk all the time, and men don't talk. Well, married men don't talk. Married men, we do need to talk. <laughs> hey, hey, Sam, hey, Sam, Sam, real quick, real quick yeah. though. That's, yeah. that's not necessarily the question that I was asking. What I was asking oh, okay. was who's going to be the leader in ensuring the relationship works? The man. But the one thing I wanted to add to that just is that I think they just need counseling, right? They they probably come across something that's just be hard for them to handle on their own. They probably need to seek some kind of counseling to help them, you know, work it out. But um, from God's perspective, you know, the man is always the man in the relationship, and you're always the head of the household. So, you know. Um, but but you know. hey, brother, and I hear that good words. But what if? And I'm just saying, what if this particular man? You know, he should be the head and all that, I hear you. But what if he's not the person, you know, with that good lead? Like, I, and I hear what Malcolm said, kind of walking out and leading that. Um, I mean, if now Malcolm said, but just to lead that. Like, say, being a man. I'm a man. I'm the head Let of the house. I'm this, I'm that. And I want to take the lead and take charge. But if he's not really that type of guy, you know, then what? What I hear is that. I think we're always we're all that type of guy. Either we're just shying away from that, or maybe our our environment hasn't taught us to be that guy. But we're all that type of guy. You know, the Bible says that you know it's it, we're the men, we're the head of the household. We're supposed to take on that role. Now the thing is, is that if you're not equipped, you know you don't have to be like you know I, I got to do everything on my own. There's always a network. There's always resources. You just mentioned it about all uh, college degrees and all these other things. You have to be wise enough to say, look, you know what, I'm I'm limited in this, and I need to go get help. The one thing that, that we always have to be humble enough to be is like, you know what, I need help, and seek that help if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to save you a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of trouble, and, I, and it just sounds like this situation is that they need counseling 
because I don't think that either one of them um, have the information or prepared to 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 move it forward on their own. Yeah. And now, now, let me just know, say this one other thing about counseling right quick before you guys go on. But I've heard that a lot. Counseling, I don't have no problem with it. But also I need people to remember that counselor ain't going home with you. That counselor is not mm-hmm. going to be when y'all leave his or her office or whatever. So it still comes between you and that person, you and your spouse. That's true. You know, I, I that's, just that's, wanted to say that's true. Uh, in regard to Malcolm's uh, thing, uh, biblically, it always supposed to come to the man, and unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of the what if it's not me, because according to the Bible, we're supposed to always be in development. According to the Bible, we're all we're supposed supposed to always get around wisdom. According to the Bible, we're supposed to always be uh, getting sharpened, iron sharp, uh, iron sharp, uh, 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 iron sharpens iron. And when we don't, when we get into being comfortable in 2019, uh, none of us are perfect. But when we get comfortable, we can't deal. Quick example. uh, you know, my father is about to pass. He's in hospice right now. Uh, I have a little bit more cut and dry understanding of what needs to be done as opposed to my hopeful sisters. I had to remove myself from interacting because it's taking me off. I realize my development in this case needs to be the removal. Let me step back. You guys take the lead. Because I've already calculated this won't end well. And but I'm not gonna waste time trying to convince the women that it's not gonna end well. I'll be hopeful too, and I'll step back over here. And I'll do the calculation necessary for what needs to be done. Hey mom, you got your stuff together? Hey mom, here go a lawyer to make sure your real estate stuff is right. Um, hey, uh, have you spoke with some funeral people just in case? That's my role. Because answering Malcolm's question, we are the managers of these relationships, of these love affairs. And unfortunately, we, in my view, in my view, have to constantly be ready for those moments in the event things go left. And, and, I, and I, that, that's some good words from all the fellas. I just believe that when... Uh, um, a man gets sick, I think the expectations of his wife is, you know, she'll take care of him for a little while, but that little while after a while, it wears off. And because she's going to go back and fall back into her natural role of being a woman. And she's going to notice a lot sooner than he would if he was in that position. She's going to notice a lot sooner that things are not feeling comfortable and what I mean, I think operating under normal circumstances uh, and not long long term. I think people are used to doing that. Oh, I can do this for a little while. But if you got to go like my man Charles or people with um, disabled um, spouses, that's when the tests come. That that's when you know when 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 you really. Say that okay, you know what? Let me see if I can. You don't supposed to be able to ask yourself these questions whether you can see if you can stick it out. It's just supposed to be an automatic. So yeah, right. if I'm having problems, if my wife ain't is not capable 
of having sex with me, then I'm going to have to um, to to be more spiritual at this point, like my man was just talking about, because that's the only thing sometimes that hold us guys together or hold us women hold the women together. You, you got to mm-hmm. have that peace to be able to 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 help you and assist you through something like that, and it doesn't matter who is sick. If it's your turn to take the wheel, you just need to go ahead and get in that seat. You know, if I'm tired and I'm driving down to Georgia or Florida, I'm going, me being the man, I'm going to make sure we get there okay. But if I need a moment, babe, you got to take this wheel. She said, and then she said, okay, my expectation, I'll just drive for an hour. Well, guess what? If I'm still tired because I worked before we got on the road, I worked 12 hours before we got on this road, you might have to sit in that seat for two or three more hours than you expected to. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. By her being my wife, she should be able to say, I got you, baby. You know what, Darren? Let me, there. Let me ask you a question, Darren. When you say that to women to, 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 to support their husbands, what do the women say? Do they agree? Again, they agree at the time. Everybody is in France when sounds. But when they in that seat, that's when the test comes. If somebody would have said at the at like like Charles was saying, I got it. I love the way this guy his he speaks because he speaks truth. When you're in the when you're in that in that chapel or that church and they they spitting these vows at you, you just saying, hey, let's hurry up and get this over with because this happy ceremony. I want to get to that honeymoon. But those words that you're saying to the person in sickness and in health, in rich or for poor. Right, you just saying, okay, da 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 da. Hurry up, hurry up, get to the part where you say, I do, and kiss the bride. <laughs> You're not holding true to those values until something hit the fan. Yeah. And when you're talking to these women, they get the same vows we do, and they say, Amen, I brother. They say I do as well. Now, when you get sick, now it's time for them to hit the. Fan. It's time for the rubber to meet the road. Hey, baby, you said sick and, and for health. You, baby, that was 10 years ago. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> Everything was good. Well, I'm going to tell yeah. you something that's like uh, I read the marriage vows before, and even before they even get into the marriage vows, the first thing it says is that this isn't to be entered into lightly. I think that right. most people don't even know that part of it, right, mm. of the ceremony. And the thing is, is that hmm. they they do enter into it lightly. But if you if you go back and you read it, even before you start even the ceremony, it just says that you're not to enter into this lightly. So the most important decision that we can all make, some of us already made it and we're stuck with it. But the most important decision that we can make is who we're going to decide to spend our our lives with. And you have to have, you know, you have to interview. The person, and you have to have some of the tough conversations. I know me and my wife. I was like, you know, what do you think about divorce? You know, because I was like, I don't believe in it. You know, mm. even before we get married, I had that had that conversation. It's like there's no outs. We're doing this, you know, one time, and that's it. Hey, mm. I gotta ask you, but real quick though. It, it, in my in my experience, at at this point in my life, and everything I know about people, and talking, like to to have those conversations in the beginning of the relationship, do you really think 
what percentage does that actually add to your success? Because I, I I don't even know if that even matters that much. In the beginning, I think major. You feel in the I think major because if you know the person you enter in a relationship with, y'all on the same sheet of music, you know. If y'all got the same ideals and the same values and all that, I think that's going to be a plus because, well, no, I think, you I know, think, I think the conversation in the beginning, it, it probably applies at that moment in time, but I don't know how long it will, how, how long that reality will last because I don't think it typically lasts. The way no, you feel it should, that well, then that's a, that's a problem, then. I mean, a 30 or whatever. Right, especially if you consider a marriage, like you could talk about this. I hear what you're saying to a certain extent. You could talk about it, and never, but then once you saying, I'm going to marry this person, or you telling that person, look, let's get married, and we get into this lifetime commitment, now those same things that we talked about, what we believe in, our values and all that, becomes even more important because you're saying you're going to carry out this lifetime commitment with this person. And then, you know, what Darren was just saying earlier, uh, all things he pointed out, and Darren, that's why I think Rodney was talking about man being unicorn because where are we learning this? Everything you said was great and expected, and I believe in it, but then are we learning this? Are more men learning this? Is it coming to that mindset? And not only men, but women. What are women learning? Like say if a woman just, you know, you got to get a trip, you're going down south or whatever, and you get tired, and you say, baby, I need you to drive. Oh, no, you the man. you supposed to, you know. No, I got to step up, and I got to have that mindset as a woman. Or not me as a woman, but a woman has to have that mindset to step up and fill in what she's supposed to fill in and play her role and do these things. So is that learning and teaching coming from there's somewhere. There's nobody teaching on the woman's side. There's no, well, only 25 30% are teaching on the woman's side. Great-grandma and her value is is, is – it's no, it's not there. The only thing that we have consistency is the guys checking guys. Let me prove it. Mm-hmm. Man up. That's a classic word we use. Where is the gender version for the ladies in Christ? It's not there because we're so busy mm-hmm. saying man up, which is valid for our part, but it doesn't get to a ten hundred percent effort when the only ones preaching are the guys. To the guy, and it goes on dead ears when the ladies, and so they always have a guy who will stand up and be a hero and give the lady a out. Well, you know she got emotion. Well, you know, you know. Well, you know. But when it comes to that guy, he's fierce and man up, brother, go through it. And 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 I understand this is what we're supposed to do. I, I totally understand, but I'm being fair to the question. This is not my personal life. I always talk about topics outside of myself. What I'm seeing with other guys, both secular and in Christ, the struggle is real because the only people browbeating are other guys, and the women are left with no accountability for for the rest of the 70% of of the ladies. They're they're going to church just like us, but there's nobody in their spaces – because I've literally went and sat in women's meetings several times. <laughs> Women empowerment brunches and the lunches passion, and yeah, no, I'm talking about in Christ in in, in church. Okay, in in, in yeah. their in their church 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 women function. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, from mega churches to small churches, the passion of honor for your commitment to the marriage 
It's just not being taught. And the last time I saw it taught with the 20, 30% that I mentioned, one of the ladies said, I ain't never heard this before in my life because there were some older women really grilling in and letting them know what their level of commitment was to the husband. So it's, hey, it's, you know, not, it's not as big as people think it is. But you know hey, what I, I think why, a lot of that you... comes back from? Oh, let me finish. It is, you know, what I was saying earlier about society. So if they're sitting around watching a bunch of talk shows, you know, like it was Oprah growing up or whatever those talk shows are, I don't know if you notice, a lot of those talk shows, they talk about women empowerment and bashing men and being independent and looking out for self, you know. And the guys are the bad guys. Usually it's the guy who's doing the bad thing. It's never the woman, you know. And so they don't take onus of, you know, trying to rectify the situation. A lot of these talk shows talk about the men doing the right thing, and not a lot of times do they talk about the women doing the right thing. But see, then, and I hear what you're saying, and with that mentality out there and with that knowledge out there, that's why we as men and almost with Classy saying, to the certain extent, we got to put the women to the fire, put them to the test. And we as men, we got to stop jumping on the first, you know, big booty, think to death, beautiful person we see, you know, because she's so beautiful, oh, baby, she everything. Else. But physically, we see with what our eyes, and then all of a sudden we get to the altar, make this commitment, and then all of a sudden, Oh, man, she kind of shallow. She ain't really what I thought she was because we looking at the physical and we never get into her mentality, how she feel about and that, that how she feel time. about family and all that. And then when we notice they watching Oprah and they listening to the Me Too movement and all this other stuff, and, you know, I hate that, uh, that new phrase they got, toxic masculinity and all that. Get out of here with that garbage. You know, I'm not going to lessen myself as a man to make a woman feel good about herself or tell me what I can't do as a man. Man, oh, y'all just don't know. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will, because a man will come along and tell you to man up. A man, Please, a man I, will come along and tell you that up. a real man. I'm man up all right. Now, I'm going to put him a in man, his place. A man will come along and tell you a real man will deal with it. Mm, a man okay, will come Mr. along. Real man. Yeah, and, and, so, and see, I got my thoughts. I'm solid, bro. So all that other stuff you think somebody could tell me to try to persuade me to be different than who I am and what I believe in, brother, you got to come with some uh, nuclear, you know, because I'm 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 just that, and I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm saying I'm <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm steeping my principles and my ideals and what I know I should be as a man. And all this other stuff and this no, new way. No, no, you're and arrogant. That, I you're change arrogant. No, I'm not That's arrogant. I'm not changing That's what it is. who you're I arrogant. am and what I am, especially for nobody else's comfortability of what's wrong. See, a real man would just deal with it. See, an arrogant man. See, I can tell you an arrogant man. And and, and you guys are being, <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious because we've all yeah, heard this. Any, any, yeah, any, no anytime a man try to speak his, his, his humanness, his, mm-hmm. his, his his training in Christ. All of a sudden, yeah. he got to get shout, shouted down. Let me also say to what Sam said: Men got to stop going for big booties. Let me make it clear: Women got to stop going for ab muscles. Dudes who say yes all the time just because mm-hmm. they think they can they they can get away with it. Guys who 
who are in Christ and 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 swear that the Lord told them this and that, and she just ain't gonna vet nothing at all. Uh, uh, women many a times go in this stuff knowing they got the bailout of, well, he the man, he chased me, he came after me. God told him to come get me. I have no accountability or nothing. So I'm not hating on on what the ladies are doing. I'm just sticking to the topic of it has to be a universal conversation. Our ladies got to create the grandmama they used to have and and give and give wisdom back to these women and say, hey, this is why a lot of these dudes are running away. This is why a lot of yeah. men across are doing extra vetting because it ain't about the fact you go to church no more or you've been in the Bible. It's who are you under pressure that this man can trust, that you're not going to yeah. run to the government and use the government against the man of Christ and forget your there Bible you training. But the thing sounds like, man, is that I mean, like our community has just lost its way with our with values. Period. I mean, um, people are just reacting to um, what the community's like. And the reason why I'm talking like an outsider is that um, my world is small, and the people that I'm around, most of them think like me and act like me, and you know, are similar. So I mean, and I've been married for twenty some odd years, and I'm in my fifties. So I'm hanging around 50-year-olds. So the thing, but the thing is, it sounds like, you know, um, that the community needs needs has some values. Or, you know, and instead of us just pointing the finger at the women and that, that they're, that they're missing something, you know, can we, can we devise a, a plan, a strategy, you know, within the frameworks that we already have? I don't want to create anything new, but within the frameworks that we already have, it's like, you know, because my my exposure to teaching about marriage all comes like starts off with Ephesians, right? Ephesians talks about everybody's role, you know, from the man to the woman to the kids. Did our church is teaching that? I mean, I know ours is, but I was like, is that a, is that a universal, uh, you know, thing me, being taught? Because it's 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 just one book out there that we're all following. Let me let, let me answer your question about solutions. My purpose for bringing it up is just that. I have to get the guys who have a small world to see the entire picture. I mm-hmm. have to I have to get the guys who only operate in in the, in the small city to see the entire nation because I think the most hurtful thing none of this stuff I'm expressing has to do with me at all. None of it. I, I don't experience any of this stuff, but I see guys who do. And the percentage is so high. And and I'm I'm a lover of women. I don't get angry at women. I, I'm very strategic in how I deal with women. But the men of Christ are so frustrated. They're more frustrated than the than the secular guys because the men of Christ are like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be going by this Bible, and when you find it convenient, you, my lady, seventy percent of y'all don't stick to it. Yet I'm being told to stick mm-hmm. to it. So I think the first thing in, in, in devising the plan is getting the people to think outside of, well, me and my wife, me and my girlfriend. The topic is us, the well, nation. Well, I want to add this, man. You know, um, one, when a man uh, looks for a woman and he finds her, and as the words say, the man who finds a wife finds a good thing, the problem is 
that man allows that woman to bring her previous relationships or her previous teachings into this relationship with him. And then, you know, by not saying nothing or by not checking or by not chastising the wrong because you don't want to start a fight, that's the wrong, absolute wrong thing to do. So, like, for instance, when I got married to my wife, what she brought into this relationship is past relationships, independency, um, you don't tell me what I make my own money, uh, the way my mother raised me was this, and she raised, she was a single woman raising five kids, and I was a single woman for a while, off and on, raising two, um, and, and you bring all this garbage, and I'll say, mm-hmm. I'll say it's garbage because it, it goes against what she's supposed to be in a wife, okay? Mm-hmm. So you try to say, okay, well, don't, I mean, yeah, me and you are married, that's your stepson or your stepdaughter. He has a father. You bring all of that crap in here. You limit me on my teaching you how to be a wife that Christ taught you to be and me to operate as a husband as Christ want me to operate in. Because if we operate in our own nature, this is going to be a mess anyway, right? So me or men that, that follow this word supposed to, like my man just said, when you you go by minding your own business in Ephesians. Regardless what she does, she's going to automatically line up because she sees you trying to operate according to Ephesians 5.25 through 5.33, to 5.25 to 5, 33. So she's seeing you obeying your stuff. And then all she needs to do is obey hers to other two scriptures or three scriptures prior to that. But my, I had to make it my business to mind my business Regardless if she mind hers or not, automatically in my business it states that if you do her, you love her like Christ loved the church. She will, she will not have to or choose not to. She will follow you just because you're following God. So, but it has to be consistent. Now, what happens is you got daughters that's watching you too. As a man, as a husband, as a father, if you're inconsistent. You're sending your daughter out, getting used to following inconsistent men or liars, if you if you will. So you have to be consistent, and it starts in the home. So you can't go out here when you get be the 20, 30-year-old woman and say she all jacked up and she all about women empowerment when we didn't start it at home by training them right and teaching our and, wives. And, and, supposed to be their priest, and, right? Yeah, and go that's ahead. what I was going to say. I'm sorry to cut you off. But you hit on a very good point. So you got to keep in mind, a lot of these women grew up in single-parent households. So they haven't seen a man, you know, in their life mimic, you know, those honorable qualities that you mentioned. Right. So if they're seeing, um, you know, their parent in and out of relationships with different men um, mm-hmm. because they can't find a good one for whatever reason, that's all the impression of men are. That's and they automatically mimic what they've seen growing up. So, Absolutely. And, and go to those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But also as men, though, and I hear what you guys say, I like the brother who's injecting, you know, Christ and the beliefs and teachers of the Bible and what we're talking about. But then we got to realize when we go through our community and our neighborhood, you know, we got people who are just Sunday morning members. 
They only come on Sunday. They don't think they think Bible school or Sunday school is for kids, and they won't come out on Wednesday night or Bible study. And then once they put their Bible up from uh, Sunday, you know that's it. Or they got their Bible on the tablets and telephones now. Once they do it for the sermon on Sunday morning, that's it. You know, you got CME members. You know, you got the members who come to church on Christmas, Mother Day, and Easter. You know, you got people who say, well, my grandma, my mom, and daddy was Christians. I'm a Christian, too, and they don't have really anything to do with the church. So you got so many things where we as men, we've got to be not only leaders but influencers in the community, around people, and those examples in the whole nine yards, and then especially, most of all, what you guys just said, in our family, with our daughters, with our sons, so that we get this ideal and this mindset that's supposed to be in place without it being a battle, you know? But again, then a lot of times, we wind up getting in a relationship with somebody who believes the total opposite of us. You know, a number of times, and that's a battle, man. That's so who's we got a that, number though? of battles. It, a, a lot of it is us, is us as people, because again, we see beauty, we see this, we see that, we see other things. Did they get down to the bottom line of why am I really trying to be with this person? Do they have the same values as me? You know, uh, do they have the same standards? You know, are they believers? There's so many now, now that. believers now, we want to hook up with non-believers. Go ahead. Now, let, let's get an example. Like, okay, do you go to church every Sunday? Not every Sunday, but, I mean, I'm a firm believer, and I go, but every Sunday, I'm not going to say I go every Sunday, but majority, I say out of, you know, 52 weeks in a year, I'm there at least 50. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. So if you're there at least 50, then the woman, whenever you get married, that that you're gonna you're gonna play how you practice, right? So yeah. whatever that you're practicing, whenever whatever woman you get with, she's gonna know that Sam a uh, the expectation is for Sam to go to church every Sunday. What happened? Mm-hmm. What tends to happen since we are supposed to be the priests, they follow our lead. So if right. we cheat on them, let's say we go to church, but then we cheat on them. And our kids see that we cheated on them. Whatever you impregnate your wife with, whatever seed you put into her, she's going to birth that out nine months later. We have to remember that. And our kids. You can impregnate your kids with some bad stuff, too, and not even know it. And then so you wonder what's wrong with them after you leave, you know, the family or every time y'all get into an argument you step out for a couple of days just to cool off. That's what you call it, a cool-off period, right? Some people call that a cool-off period. And then when they show up again, the kids see that too. So then you mm-hmm. wonder how these women grow into, these little girls grow into women, not understand the value or how to appreciate a man because her, her example was jacked up. She was impregnated yeah. with something that was jacked up, and now she thinks that's the way it's supposed to be because her daddy did it that way. Wait, 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 wait. So, so you're saying the daughter is taking this on because of the male's action? Not yes, of... yes. Wow. Yes. Your daughter's watching how you treat her mom and almost everything that you're doing. That's more important than probably even how you treat her. You can treat her like a princess, but if you're treating your mom like garbage, right, that's what she's, that's what she's seeing in a relationship because 
that's the relationship that she's going to have. So she's watching how you treat her mother. And I'm telling you, you have to you have to play that up all the time. I mean, I, I want to tell this story because I, I just think it's uh, it might help people. Is it? My daughter um, and we were at the beach and she got um she got she got lost and then uh, we got reconnected and we were walking up and she was like dad don't tell mom because you know she's gonna freak out and I told my daughter I said look we're in a family we don't keep secrets right I was like we don't want I mean nobody wants to tell her but she need to know so we just told her but I think main reason I told my daughter that was to show her is that look we're gonna have truth over everything. You know, and that 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 right there is like you were saying. You planting seeds, right? She sees that. Hey, look, you know, Daddy does doesn't just do the good things. He he reports on the bad things because he's in relationship with Mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and, so, and to add to that, I mean, you touched on Ephesians earlier. Um, you're supposed to love your wife as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And and when you you have that union and you see yourselves as one, you wouldn't mistreat yourself. So if you usually if you have that bond that you're supposed to have that union that you're supposed to have, if you leave and cleave and unite as one, um, if, if you're hurting your spouse, you're hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. Essentially. And even yeah, with you know question. even with children, got, got, let me just start this out right, right, Robbie. But let me tell that out yeah. what he just said about loving yourself. And what I hate to hear these young guys out here say, you know, oh, I didn't grow up with a father. If you know how that feels, not growing up with a father, if you went through that, not growing up with a father, why would you go out here and make a child and then not be a father to him? That confuses me, baffles me, you know. So, like I say, guys, it's a beautiful thing we stand here today and all that. But we all got to connect and get up, get back on track, man. Yeah, something you said hey, Sam, earlier. I got we're talking about. Go ahead. No, I just want to yeah. mine would be like a one minute. But you were talking about um, the CMEs and and us out in the world and everything else like that. You can only influence, you know, in in your circle. But you need to. What well, we all need to be trying to influence in our circles, you know. You know, not saying that you need to be that that nuisance, but if there's an opportunity to interject your values into the conversation or into the situation, uh, take that opportunity, man, to talk and share and do things like that within the community, because that's how it that's how you know it's going to proliferate, and then we're going to change things, you know, um, and those people that you have everyday connections with. That's it. I want to shut it down because you only got a few minutes. Malcolm? Oh, yeah, Malcolm, yeah. What I was going to say, Sam, yeah, yeah, what I was going to say, Sam, to answer your question about how a person can do that, what I what mm-hmm. I realized is, is life is just complex like that. It might not make sense on paper, but when you're dealing with day-to-day, I mean, I mean people end up doing something to that child that was done to them that they didn't want done. Life is challenging mm-hmm. like that. Period. Yeah. That's why. Mm-mm. That's sad. <laughs> All right, last question, fellas. We only got four minutes. Um, true or false? Suddenly becoming a spouse's full-time caretaker is worse than going through a divorce. False. 
Mm. <laughs> Pause. Y'all quiet. I had no idea. <laughs> I, was I, had no idea. I ain't never had to be a caretaker, but I've been through divorce. But I think I would have played right. the caretaker over the divorce, so I'll say false. <laughs> <laughs> So y'all say false. All right, that's fine. I'm gonna say false. Yeah, I got, man, I got one more. I got funny. one more. Okay. Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I and then I got one say more. Is one of the things I've heard um, described about divorce is um, trauma. You know, mm-hmm. um, and when mm-hmm. anyone who's been through a divorce um, has been through trauma, is what I've heard. Yes, so um, I, I can't. You know, as traumatic as it might be uh, to be a caretaker, I've never heard it described in that way. But, uh, you know, when I've heard of the description of divorce, I've heard the word trauma as a traumatic event. And, um, you know, that word is is very, very, very strong word um, for someone to go through. So. Mm-hmm. But but go yeah. ahead with your next question. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, last question, last question. This will be the last one. Uh, is a spouse the best caregiver, or is a professional caregiver the best caregiver? Depends on how you treat you as you treat you. Professional. Why you say professional, class? Because your emotions can have you do some things that are contradictory to health. Uh, when things happen, all of a sudden, everybody, I'm, I'm a solid dude. But uh, uh, seeing my father lose so much of his body mass, too much for me. I can't even be in the room because I don't want to have that vision of him like that. Like that you know? And uh, so, so you can you can be trying to assist somebody. And sometimes be in a, uh, a wrong state of mind, depending on what pops up. And and sometimes it's extra, you know, people to spend that extra money, even if you can do it yourself. Spend a little extra money to give yourself a break. You know, hire a, hire a CNA or what have you to give yourself a break. I, I think it's situational, right? I think that. You always want to play to your strengths and not to your weaknesses. And like you were saying, you were mentioning a weakness. Some people in some situations, it might be that you need a, a caregiver. Some people, they might be able to handle that. They, they might find out that they're very good at that. Um, I, I think it just depends. I don't think you should pigeonhole yourself into saying that this is the right answer always. You know, you got to pick the right answer for you. Mm. Well, before we sign out, I just wanted to say to Charles again, thank you for sharing with us today. Uh, stay encouraged, and, and, and thank you for what you're doing, man. Thank you for what you're doing for your wife. I, from the outside looking in, I appreciate it as a man. I appreciate thank you. you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. you saying that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good job. Well, thank you all for listening to my story. Um, hopefully uh, it impacted you for the positive in some way. Um, yeah, no and I'm honored to be yeah. on and uh, to be invited. Yeah, no doubt. All right, fellas. Well, that's it. It looks like uh, 
I think my Nationals are going to win. So, um, But, yeah, we'll be here next week, same bat station, same time. So, holla at y'all. Y'all be easy. Later on. All right. Hebrew word, Hebrew word for happiness, G.